Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Burbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, if you know Christ Jesus today, you were there. The Bible says we've been crucified with him. The Bible also says we were raised to new life with him. So in Christ Jesus, because I'm in Christ, I was there. He took my place on the cross. Amen. Welcome today on this glorious Resurrection Sunday morning. So good to see you guys. You look awesome today. I want you to take your Bibles out. We're going to get into God's Word. John chapter 20. John 20 and verse number 1. So good to have each one of you here. If you're visiting from out of town, thanks so much for stopping by Faith Assembly Day, visiting family. Uh, you're a part of family here. If you live in the area, we'd love for you to come back and be with us again uh, every Sunday at Faith Assembly of God's Resurrection Sunday because Christ is alive. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's stand together to read God's Word today, John 20, and we're going to look at the story together this morning, John 20 and verse number 1. <clears throat> And early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Jump down to verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels, white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord. She said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where they have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Father, I thank you for your word today. I I thank you, mighty God. The word declares you're alive today. I thank you, God, just as you called out Mary's name some 2,000 years ago, you'll speak our names today. I thank you, mighty God, you're alive. I thank you, mighty God, the tomb's empty. I thank you, God, we can know you. I thank you for your sweet presence this morning. I pray, mighty God, you anoint the word as it's brought forth. We'll give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, before you're seated, turn to about four or five people and say, he is risen, and declare it together, and then you may be seated. A week ago Friday, I, uh, I did a funeral. Young man, great young man, 36 years of age, found out he had cancer, and within three weeks, he was gone. Those are tough times, I want to tell you, it's tough. 
It's tough when you sit with the mother and father. It's tough when you sit with the family. It's, those are just difficult times. And, and, and who can adequately share someone's grief in a time like that? It's just, it's just hard, hard to imagine. And, and you can sit at a funeral home with friends and you can go and, and visit the body and you can go to the funeral service and you can go visit them. But sometimes you, it's like you have no words to say. What do you say in a, in a, in a time like that? We, we can't really understand what they're going through. And probably one of the stupidest things we can say at the death of a loved one or to somebody else who's going through this time of grief and this time of sorrow is, is uh, I understand or I feel your pain. Listen, you, you can't feel their pain. You can't fully know what they're going through or or you can sit with them you can talk to them you can listen to them you can sympathize with them you can comfort them as best as you know how but but you to lift the grief and pain off of someone else's shoulders uh, and put it on your own back you cannot do it you can't share in their pain you can't share in their suffering the weight of grief can be staggering And this is the backdrop you have when you start John chapter 20. Mary is right now in in this very painful, grieving, sorrowful time in her life. I notice verse 1, it says, and while it was still dark. Now now we know that's telling us when, when Mary came to the tomb and the hour of the day it was. But I think those words are even more symbolic than that because I want to tell you, Mary's life had gone dark. It, it was dark for her. It was a hard time. It was a troubling time. It had gone dark. You know, it's interesting. When Jesus Christ hung on the cross, the last three hours he hung on that cross, it said darkness came upon the entire land. It's like, it's like God just put his hand over the, over the earth and blocked out the sun for those last three hours. And it was dark for Mary. She came to the tomb to pay her last respects and prepare the body and anoint the body one more time. It, it was dark for two on the road to Emmaus. The Bible says as they walked along, they were downcast. And, and all those followers of Jesus were downcast. And it was dark for the disciples as they huddled together in a room somewhere for fear for their own lives. It was dark for them because their master and their teacher had been taken away. You know, that, that probably those three days between the cross and the resurrection had to be the hardest days of their entire life. Grief, sorrow, pain. Depression comes because in some way or another we suffer loss. We lose a person or we lose something else or we lose something in our lives that's dear to us And so depression is a result often of loss. It has been said, the greater the loss, the greater the depression. And and for Mary, it, it had to be an incredible grief. It had to be incredible depression because she had lost the most valuable person in her entire life ever to come into her life because Jesus radically changed her life. And now he was gone. And I can imagine as she walks towards the tomb in the dark, trying to find her way there and get there and stumble and not fall along the way, all these images were beginning to replay back through her mind. 
and she probably remembered Jesus Christ as they took him and they nailed him to a whipping post. They, they tied him with straps and, and they took a cat of nine tails and they, they, they laid it upon his back possibly 39 times. Back ripped open. Flesh ripped open. She saw the cruel mocking. She saw him bringing out in a robe they, they put upon his back and they mocked him and then he took a crown of thorns and they pressed it down on his brow and, and, and they see Jesus Christ hanging on the cross and she remembers his body struggling as he winces in pain to try to lift himself up some way to get air into his lungs. The incredible agony. And so on that day, their hopes and their joy had died with Christ on the cross. Incredible, incredible grief, incredible hurt and depression. Mary, the Bible tells us, was from the city of Magdala on the Sea of Galilee. There was an ore of sensuality that had surrounded her in her younger years. And she probably, as you look at her life and the way it turned out, had... had uh, had probably had some harsh realities in her life growing up. Perhaps she had been used and abused by men along the way, creating in her own heart anger, self-loathing, hatred. But something began to happen to Mary somewhere along her lifetime. Soon a power began to overtake her, a power that was oppressive, a power uh, bigger than her, and it would begin to control her. And the Bible tells us that this Mary eventually became enslaved by seven demons. Seven demons. Totally possessed. No control anymore. But Jesus came along and Jesus set her free. Jesus came along and conquered every one of those demons. Uh, Jesus came along and cast them out. Uh, and when he cast out those demons, uh, he forgave her past. The power of Jesus Christ. And so it's no wonder that Mary's the first one to get to the tomb. It's no wonder that she comes very early in the dark. Uh, she lingers at the tomb. She stays longer than it. Peter and John come, but they look in the tomb and they run off. But Mary hangs around. Mary can't leave. She can't go till she finds out for herself. It's no wonder she grieves so deeply. Uh, and she comes to pay this last honor of anointing the body of Jesus with spices. And her love draws her. Now when you think about Mary's past, and you see her devotion on that Easter morning, it reminds me of the scripture, whoever's been forgiven much, loves much. Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. I want to tell you something this morning. Listen to me. When we realize our own sinfulness and our own worthiness and our sin and our shame and our wickedness, we can only respond to Jesus Christ with love and gratitude and praise and service and honor and thanksgiving for all that Jesus Christ did for us. Now this final indignity. She gets to the tomb. She saw Jesus, the life plucked away from him. Saw him slaughtered like a lamb. And now, why have they stolen the body? Where's the body? Can you tell me? It's bad enough they kill him. Bad enough they crucify him. Where's the body? 
and she's crying and she's weeping. Now you get down to verse 13, and, and here's what I want you to key in on. The angel says, why are you crying? You get down to verse 15, and Jesus says to her, why are you crying? Apparently, they knew something she was about to discover. I want to tell you, today, we don't have to cry, and we don't have to weep, because we know the answer. And, and I want to give you four reasons. If you've got your, your outline, you can turn it on the back. If you're visiting with us, we put the outlines on the back. And if you want to follow along this morning, you can. But, but stop crying. Stop weeping. Don't cry. Number one, why? Because he is risen. We can stop crying because he is risen. Listen, don't cry. He's risen today. He's alive today. In fact, it says it in three different times. He is risen indeed. Now, now the whole scene surrounded this in, 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 the, in the word of God, surrounding Mary, was a series of mistakes. Mary had gone to anoint the dead, but she didn't realize that he could not be held by death. Mary had come to see a lamb, a victim, but she was not aware that Jesus Christ is the victor. He wears the victor's crown today. He holds the keys to life and death, and he is the victor. And right now, uh, the serpent's head has been crushed underneath his feet. He is the victor today. Now, now we all make similar mistakes when we treasure people or, or, or things we hold dear and they pass from us and we lose them. And we lose a job and our marriage shatters and falls apart. And we lose a loved one that, that, that we cared about so much and all of a sudden they're gone. They're not with us anymore. And, and we stand by the grave of our grief and in those times, we think we'll never be happy again. I'll never know joy again. My loved one's gone. My, my situation has changed. And I can never be happy again. But I want to tell you, the risen Lord is close by. He is there with you. Uh, he's able to be with us in the times of loss. Uh, he's able to give us victory uh, in our warfare. Uh, he enables us to walk in the newness of life. Uh, and he gives us a hope for our future. And the Bible says, because he lives, I shall live also. He's alive today. Ran across the comic strip, Linus and Lucy. And they're sitting in front of the television sets. And Lucy says to Linus, as she was known to boss him around a little bit, give me a glass of water. And Linus says, why should I do anything for you? You never do anything good for me. And Lucy says, on your 75th birthday, I'll bake you a cake. And Linus, with that, got up and headed to the kitchen and said, life is more pleasant when you have something to look forward to. I want to tell you, life is more pleasant because Christ is alive. And because Christ is alive, we have hope and we have something to look forward to. Uh, and so don't cry, don't weep. The risen Lord is here. 
And if you've been going through a difficult time or a tough time, let the risen Lord speak into your emptiness today uh, and create in you a new life this morning uh, and speak into your pain uh, and your hurt uh, and bring you joy. No matter how dark the night may be, the Lord is risen and it tells me there's hope. Don't cry. Don't cry. Jesus is alive. Second thing, don't cry because he knows your name. He knows your name this morning. Verse 16, he says, Mary, Mary. With a single word, her own name, the man in the garden turns her world upside down. The most important word that Mary ever, Jesus ever spoke to Mary was that one word on that resurrection Sunday morning, Mary. Mary, he knows your name. And it's the same for every single one of us. I want to tell you this morning, uh, he knows you by name. He knows what you're going through. Uh, He knows what you're experiencing. Uh, The Lord of life is risen, uh, and yet he had cosmic duties to perform in the heavenlies, uh, but he hangs around to call Mary by name. He says, I'll put that off. I'm going to stay and reveal myself to her, Mary. And, and, And with that word, relationship is restored on that Sunday morning. Jesus conquered the grave and presented himself to her, and he calls her by name. Now listen to me. When we think about the empty tomb, we think about all the theology, all the doctrine that goes along with that. And and because Christ is alive, sinful world has been redeemed. And because Christ is alive, the law has been satisfied. And because Christ is alive, the grave has been conquered. And because Christ is alive, death has been defeated. But in that moment, in the garden of a rich man, the resurrection was about none of those things uh, as far as Mary was concerned. And so when he says, Mary, he is saying, I am alive to you. And I care about you. Listen, it's more than just doctrine or theology. It affects our very life. It affects everything I do today uh, because he knows me by name and he's alive to me. Mary, he was with her. He was comforting her. He's calling her by name. Listen, in our darkest hour when we're in grief or we're in pain or we're in loss, it's in those moments his resurrection becomes very real to us. Because it's personal. Jesus did not rise from the dead just for humanity. He rose for you. Let me say that again. Jesus did not rise for humanity as a whole. He rose from the dead for you. And for me. And he knows you by name. And it's personal. His resurrection begins that healing work inside of you. And it began that morning for Mary. Mary, the shepherd's calling to one of his sheep. Mary. Mary, when when she says, when he says that name, all gloom is dispelled in that moment. Mary, I'm saying I'm still your friend uh, and I know you by name and I care about what you're going through. Mary. Mary, 
Listen to some of these great Old Testament scriptures. Exodus 33 and verse 12. I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Isaiah 43 and 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name, thou art mine. Mary needed Jesus to be there. Mary needed Jesus to meet with her personally. Mary needed Jesus Christ in that moment to call her by name. And when he says Mary, the Bible says she turned to him. And when she turns to him, she sees Christ. But not only is she changing direction, but she turns from grief to joy and celebration. She turns from death to life. And when he calls your name and he begins to speak to your heart, he's able to turn your life around today. He knows you by name. There's an old song that for some of us who've been around for a long time will remember. The name of it's In the Garden by Charles Miles. It says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ears, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. What a great song. What great words. It tells me the resurrection is personal. It's not just about doctrine today, and that's important, but it's personal to me. He is risen for me. He's alive for me, and he calls you by name. Great news. Today the Lord knows your name. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you've come from. Listen, you're not just a social security number out there somewhere in the air floating around for identity theft. No one can steal your identity in Christ Jesus. You're not just some blip on a a computer screen somewhere in Washington, D.C., where there are big brothers watching over you. I want to tell you, he personally knows you. Uh, And even when we don't always recognize his presence, maybe because it's dark, uh, maybe because the tears are, are blurring our vision, I want to tell you, he is still there nonetheless, and he's alive, and he's able to minister to you today, and he knows you by name. Don't cry. He's got your name down. Hallelujah. The third reason we're not to cry is we find in verse number 17, and let me read it to you. We don't need to cry because I'm going to my Father. That that, that doesn't light you up right now, but let me tell you what that meant in a minute. And Jesus said, do not hold me, for I have not yet returned to my Father. And now that Jesus, now that, excuse me, now that Mary finally finds Jesus, she's holding on to him. She doesn't want to let go. She doesn't want to ever lose him again. She thought he was lost. She she thought the the, the body was stolen. She thought he was dead. But, But now she holds him and doesn't want to let go. And what Mary is doing is attempting to hold on to her past associations. She's trying to grasp the Jesus that was with us and tabernacled in the flesh. 
You see, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And for 33 years, he, he walked among us and, and lived among us, and he was on the earth. And she's trying to hold on to the physical Jesus. But that was all about to change because he's our high priest. And Jesus had to do something. He had to go up into the Holy of Holies in the heavenlies and offer up his blood. And his blood would be offered up there telling me that every single sin has been taken away. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. There is the image of the mercy seat. There's the image of the day of atonement. I don't know how much time I have, maybe a little time, but look at, look at verse 11. It says, when, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say not a part of this creation. So he's going to go into a new tabernacle, not like the one in the Old Testament. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood. So now he's got to go to the new tabernacle, the writer of Hebrews says, But the only way to come into the Holy of Holies was by blood. Now, millions of goats had been slain. Rams, lambs, every Passover. On the Day of Atonement, uh, you read the Old Testament and you wonder, why all the slaughter of animals? It all pointed to one perfect Lamb of God. The blood of God. Goats and bulls, the ashes of the heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they were outwardly clean. How much more? I love those. Every time you see the word how much more, you focus on that. That's really neat. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, he's our perfect lamb, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Not the dead God, the living God. How much more is his blood more perfect? Jump down, verse 23. It was necessary then for copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear before us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that was not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now... He has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. On the Day of Atonement, they would take two goats. They would lay their hands on the head of one goat. Now, first the high priest had to offer a bull sacrifice for himself. Change his special garments before he could go into the Holy of Holies. No one was ever allowed to go in there. Once a year, the high priest. The ark was there, the cherubim over the ark, the contents in the ark. And and, and they would sacrifice, they would lay their hands on that goat and pronounce all the sins of Israel. They would slit the goat's throat. 
uh, goat, that blood then would be caught in a basin. They would take the, the blood of that goat and they would go in and on top of the Ark of the Covenant was a place called the mercy seat. Now in that was the law, the tablets, the Ten Commandments. But it's the mercy seat that covers everything. But even in pouring out the blood, the Bible is very clear, that blood could only cover sin. And it could only cleanse the outward because he said in Hebrews, only the blood of Christ can cleanse the inward of man. But remember I said there was two goats. You've heard of a scapegoat. And on that scapegoat they would lay the hands and they would once again pronounce all the sins of Israel. And they would take that goat way out into the wilderness and they would set it free. One goat is killed, one goat is set free. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He is the perfect Lamb of God. But he is the second scapegoat because on the third day uh, that stone rolls away and Jesus Christ comes walking out. uh, And now he's going to take that perfect, spotless, sinless blood uh, and go up and offer it before the Father. And so he says, Mary, don't hang on to me. i got to finish my job. Hallelujah. Got to go into that tabernacle not made with hands. And so for Mary, she would exchange the outward, physical appearance of flesh and blood and Jesus Christ now for an inner spiritual presence uh, that would never, ever leave her again. She would trade the transient three years of being around Jesus Christ for the eternal. Now I will be with Christ forever. And by his power, Jesus Christ brings forth a brand new creation. And now, through the Spirit, we can cling to him permanently uh, because he says, I will never leave you. Uh, I will never forsake you. So do not weep because he's alive and he knows you by name. And he is always, always with us through his Holy Spirit. That's good. That's good. I'm getting excited anyway. There's a fourth reason he says, quit crying, stop weeping. And it's simply this, you got work to do. Quit crying. Mary, don't cry. You got work to do. Let's pick it up. Go back to your text. Look at verse 17. He goes on to say, go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to the Father and your Father to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what she had said, that he had said these things to her. Go and tell my brethren I'm alive. Quit crying, stop crying. You got a job to do. You got work to do. Go and tell my brethren I am alive. Now, now I want you to just, there's there's a little side note here. Uh, in, In John chapter 13, he calls his disciples servants. And that's a great title for all of us. Paul called himself a bond slave or a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he uses the phrase, you are my servants. When you get to John chapter 15, he, there he calls them friends. I no longer call you servants. Now I call you my friend. Isn't that great to know? That, that as children of God, we move beyond just simply pure servitude to now I am a friend of the, the owner of the house, the master of the house, and I, I call you friends. 
Now we get to John chapter 20, and he says, go tell my brethren. Uh, Now it's not just servant. Now it's not just friend. uh, But because of the death and resurrection, uh, he makes us a part of the family of God. Uh, And there is an incredible family, and he is my brother. I am adopted into God's divine household. Hallelujah. She couldn't keep crying and hanging on to him. She had a purpose in life. Listen to me. The resurrection gives us a purpose. And the purpose is always go and tell. Go and tell. That's our, that's our, our purpose today. Go and tell. Go and tell him you can be forgiven. Uh, go and tell him Jesus loves you. Uh, go and tell him he's alive forevermore. Uh, go and tell him. Uh, leave Faith Assembly this morning uh, and go and broadcast it and tell him uh, Jesus Christ is alive. Uh, tell others what you have seen uh, and what you have heard. Hallelujah. The first person that Jesus appears to is Mary. There's a woman, Mary. Mary of Magdala. The reason she got to see Jesus first is she lingered around the tomb. Peter and John could have seen him, but they took off running. Mary lingered. She stayed there. She waited there to whom much has been forgiven. Loves much. And then in turn, she goes to the disciples. And she tells the disciples. And Jesus would later appear to them. And it was said of the disciples, those 11 that were left would literally be the ones who would turn the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then they also took up the great commission. And they also went and told. And the gospel is literally preached all around the Roman Empire. And churches are planted. And the story goes out, he is risen. And so for Mary, her place of grief becomes a place of glory. So stop crying. The resurrection gives you a purpose. Because he lives, I shall live also. Because he lives, he knows my name. Because he lives, my sins have been taken away, and he lives with me forever through his Holy Spirit. And because he lives, I now have a purpose and meaning and mission in life. The resurrection has everything to do with us today. It is not an historical event 2,000 years ago. It affects every day, every moment of my life right now. Because he's alive. Listen, let him give you a new mission and let him give you a new purpose today. Listen, this morning, prepare to receive a fresh revelation of his love. You may be going through hard times. uh, You may be suffering right now. uh, But through your experience, you'll gain a knowledge of him that can never, ever be taken away because Jesus Christ is alive and he's there and he will call you by name. Uh, And so this morning, I want you to hear him say your name today because he loves you that much. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.